theyeshiva.net. Okay, welcome everybody. Ruchim Haboyim, Shalom Aleichem. Welcome, thank you for coming. We begin today a new mimer. It's actually a piece that we say every single morning in davening. In the Nusach of Ashkenaz, those who daven Nusach Ashkenaz, it's actually the opening of davening. Those who daven Nusach Svar, the Nusach Harizal, it's almost at the opening of davening. And that's the psalm, the chapter of Tehillim, Mizmer Shir Chanukah Sabayis L'David, which is said every single morning in the, the beginning of Shachras. So this is a mime from the Balatanya on this piece of davening, Mizmer Shechnuk Zemayis L'David. It's printed, it was put into Parshas Brocha. Parshas was a Brocha, which means the end. So you turn to page 196. But you have to make sure 196 on top it should say Brocha. The second column, or if you want, Daf Tzadik Ches, column 4. Brocha Tzadik Ches, column 4. Now, the, this capital Tehillim begins with the words, Mizmer Shirch David, which means it's a song of David, David HaMelech, celebrating Chanukah Sabayis, which means the dedication, the renewal of the home. And he right away continues, Hashem Kedilisani, I will exalt you Hashem because you have Dilisani, means you have uplifted me, you have drawn me up, like Dalai Dalai, you have, you have brought me up. There's different interpretations, but that's the basic one. And we'll see later when this was said and why it was said. I'll just, I'll give a few, uh, just, uh, some historical notes about this Maimah because it's interesting. Usually most my Maimah of the Balatanya was said either on Shabbos or Yom Tif. And once in a while, a special occasion, a bris, you'll have a bris Maimah, a chasana Maimah, and so forth. The, this Maimah was said, Actually, we know exactly the date. It was said, Chof Tevis, Tov Kuf Samach Zayin. It was the middle of the week. I think it was Sunday, Parsha Shmois. Chof Tevis, the 20th of Tevis, Tov Kuf Samach Zayin, which would be 1807. And it was said at a Chanukah Sabayis, at a dedication of a home. And um, it was in a city called Shklov. Shklov was, uh, today, today Shklov is a little city, it's in Belarus. It's on the border between Russia and Poland. Region of Lithuania, Belarus, which used to be called White Russia, Vice Rusland. That's the area where the Balatanya was born and he lived. Lyazhna, Liadi, that's all Belarus. And uh, Shklov, was a very, very well-known city. It was a city filled with Talmidei Chachamim. A lot of the students of the Vilna Gon lived there. It was a great city of Torah, of learning, of scholarship. It was also a city that in its initial years, there was a lot of opposition to the Balatanya, to Chesidus, to the movement of the Balshemtiv. But the Balatanya visited Shklov and he visited a few times there. And the Rav of the city was a Jew named Reb Chanoi Chenech Shik. He was a big, big guy, Reb Chanoi Chenech Shik. He had a son. His son was named Reb Pinchas. 
Pernichus was a very big Talmud Chacham, a very prominent person there, and he became one of the big Talmudim of the Balatanya. Not only become a great Talmud, came very, very close to him, and uh, he wrote many of the Maimorim. There's a sefer called Maimori Admur Hazak and Hanochis Harap, Hanochis Repinchis, that he wrote. His mother-in-law was very, very wealthy. It's interesting, so his mother was extremely wealthy. And uh, she had three sons-in-law. She once heard the Balatanya speak in Shklov. She was a very wise woman, and when she heard him, she was so taken that she said that whichever son-in-law goes to become his student, she's going to give him all her money. But it has to be for real. So the Pinchas went for a few months. He got all her money when he came back. So he took all the money and he brought it to the Alter Rebbe. He gave it away to him. <laughs> but stuck, he gave it away. But in the process, he became one of his closest Talmidim, very, very close to him. And uh, he never had children of Pinchas. And he's known as Rapinchas Rises. Rapinchas Rises. He was named after his mother-in-law. They named him after Rapinchas Rises. His mother-in-law's name was Rosa. They named him Rapinchas Rises. Rapinchas, usually they would name him after a father, sometimes after a mother. They named him like the Marsha. They named him after his mother-in-law, Rapinchas Rises, because his mother-in-law was Rosa. He built a beautiful home in Shklov. And it was called a base chayma, which was very novel, a house with a wall around it, a fortress around it. At his Chanukah Sabayis of the house, the Balatanya was in Shklov. And he said this maim at the Chanukah Sabayis, which was Chav Tevis Tavkuf Samach Zayim. How do I know all this? <laughs> so this is not an event that you could see online. This Maimer has five different transcripts from five people who heard it. Many of the Maimarim, there's more than one transcript, different writers. And it's very fascinating to compare because the theme is obviously always the same. These were reliable writers. But everyone wrote, people write according to their tfisa, their hasaga, their way of comprehending. Most Maimarim and Lakut Torah were written by the Balatanya's brother. He would write almost everything he heard from his brother. He was known, as name was Rabbi Yehuda Leib, he's known as the Maharil. The Maril, he wrote this, this, this transcript, this Maimer. But Repinchus also wrote it, he would write my mother, Repinchus writes he also wrote it. So there's a transcript of him in Hanachas Harap. The Balatanya had a famous student, Reb Aaron Halevi of Strashella. The Strashella, Reb Aaron Horowitz. He also wrote it from this Maimer, he has a Sefer Avodas Halevi. So he writes in he says, he heard this from the Balatanya at a Chanukas Abayas. He doesn't say which. The Alter Rebbe had a son who succeeded him, the Mittler Rebbe, and he also wrote transcripts. He also wrote up this Maimon. It's printed in the Siddur of the Balatanya on the, on the comment on Mizmer Shechanuk Sabayas Lodavid. The Balatanya had a youngest son named Reb Moshe who also wrote the transcripts. And he wrote that this was in Shklov by the Chanukas Habayas of Chanukas Beis Chaim of Repinchis of Shklov with the date Chav Tevis Tovkov Samach Zayin, that's how we know exactly where, what, when, the day of the week, the day of the month, exactly where, and what was the occasion. There's also a story they say from Chassidim, that when the Balatanya saw the house, he wasn't very pleased with the... He asked Repinchas, Vos what do you need this? Uh, 
Yeah, the affluence. Uh, it wasn't a, you know, people struggled a lot. And the Baltanya used to collect a lot, a lot of stock. He gave Tani much, a big section of Tanya is all about that. He asked everybody to give a lot of charity, to give to poor people, especially in Eretz Yisrael. And this was one of the big things he was involved in. So he asked Rapinchas, what do you need us for? So Rapinchas said, Trust me, I really don't need it. But he said, As Pinchas hat as Ashtub, when Pinchas has such a house, Allah Sifis come and for in their Shtub. All the big meetings of the city happen in this house. If they happen in this house, so I'm already the, the one who's leading the meeting. Once I'm leading the meeting, he says, my decisions are pretty much accepted. <laughs> so when it comes to any serious situation, and the decision has to be a certain way, so because of this house, the community, the city could run in a good way. That's, that's, that's traditionally what he answered, and the Balatanya was pleased with the answer. I'll call upon him, this is the history behind this Maimon. He starts off Lahavin Atam Bismashek Naksamais Ludovid Lahavin Atam Shais and Bishtavasimcha Bachanukasabais. The Mittler Rebbe once said about him, he was the, he called him the field marshal of Chsidim. The field marshal. Feld field marshal was like the highest level of the army. He called him the field marshal. Repinchas. Lahavin Atam Shais and Bishtavasimcha Bachanukasabais. To understand the reason that according to Jewish custom, we make a feast and a joy. There's a simcha and I make a mishta special feast when we do a Chanukah Sabayas, when you move in, you dedicate a new home. What's the reason for this? It's obviously rooted in the Pasuk, Mizmer Shir, Chanukah Sabayas. So Mizmer Shir means it's an occasion for song and an occasion for, for celebration. But to understand the reason for this. Hine yesh gimel there are three components that are necessary for life. It's the staples of life, the three components that people need. When you speak about human need, there is mazain, which is food, nutrition. Levushim, people need clothes. And bias, people need a home. These are the three major physical components that are necessary for daily existence, and they don't come for free. A person also needs oxygen. You can't live with oxygen. But for oxygen, nobody charges. Mazer, levush, huh? For food and garments and home, as we'll see, there's a cost. And these are three things that are the staple of physical life for a person to be able to exist. And this is a human being. Animals also need food. Nobody could live without food. But they don't have garments. They don't have a levush. And they have their own batim, but it's not a home. Most of them, as you're out here in Muncie, you could follow the, the deer. They don't have batim. The concept of a home. I mean, obviously birds have nests and, uh, <coughs> various animals build sometimes their own, uh, enclaves, especially, uh, rodents and so forth. But this, this the three components, Muslim, Levushim, Ambayas, this is the human, the human three components necessary for human survival and existence and shelter. Shelter and food and clothes. who <coughs> The three are very different. Food, nutrition, is the chayis pnimi. It's the chayis pnimi, meaning it's the vitality that becomes internalized. 
Pnimi means it goes inside the body of the person. Shanasa Pnimi is It becomes actually part of his inside. It becomes part of his, his, what we would call his inner bloodstream, his inner life. It becomes a Aidei Hakeris Vakeva through the whole digestive system. The Keris is the, the belly, the stomach, the Keva is the abdomen. Shehemivashlam is it's not just a person eats and lives. There's a whole process of digestive system. They cook up the food. And when he means cook here, he is, doesn't mean literally cooking. But in a way, cooking, in other words, takes food and transforms it. What does cooking do? Cooking takes raw food and turns it into something edible that you can eat. So the keris and the keva take food, which even if it's cooked, it's still raw relative to the body. What is the body supposed to do? What is the body supposed to do with this food? We, we don't realize it, right? Our body does this on our own, but it's, it's a miraculous process. Huh? Processes. Processes it, yeah. And transforms it, literally, transforms it into something that can be converted into the life force, the vitality of the human body, the human organism. And the body, not only that, the body does a whole process known as choosing and selecting. The choicest part of the food. He identifies the brain separate from the rest of the body because of the brain is the central nervous system. So the body also knows what part of the food is good for which part of the body, including which part of the food is useless and has to be evacuated, which the body also takes care of. The mufchar, the choicest, it makes sure that it's going to hold to go up and ultimately serve as as vitality for the brain, and it becomes this food becomes the pnimius, it becomes the inside and the life for the person's brain, and ultimately for all of the limbs. All of the limbs, all of the organs, they get their chizuk, they get their strength and vitality through this food. That's number one. Then you have levushim, clothes. Hey makifim adam. You're not going to say that clothes are pnimim. Again, pnimim means it's internalized. On the contrary. Clothes are called makif. Makifim from the word makif means it surrounds. It's makif. Lahakif means like a kafir, right? To go around. It surrounds the body, meaning it encompasses the body. It's above the body. Shemakifoy. It encompasses it. Umalbisha, it dresses the body. It encloses the body, which is what a lavush means. Umatzel levat. What is its function? Its function is to be able to protect the body and save it from coldness or from scorching heat, both both sides. The body protects, the, the garments protect the body. Why do we wear garments? We wear garments, it's cold outside. So you have a garment to protect the body, to cover the body, to serve as another layer of material, especially if it's thick and warm material, so the person doesn't get cold, or the scorching heat of the sun. And he says, It's not something that is internalized and becomes the very life force, the bloodstream, the vitality, the oxygen of a person, like food. It's outside of the person, but it's not distant. It's And what he means by mamish is that it actually encompasses him, literally. <laughs> it's on top of him. It touches him. It's, it surrounds him. Then you have number three, bottom, bottom, homes. Homes also encompass the person. They encircle the person. 
the person lives inside the home. Just like I am in my clothes, and my clothes are around me, my home is also around me. However, however, but you can't compare it to the makif of the garments which are on the person literally. The word mamish comes from the word mimush, right? You can, uh, mamoshes, mamoshes means uh, you, you can touch it, it's palpable, it's on you, it's on you, you feel it, and it's, it's, it's suited to the size of your body. The home is distant from the person. Betachlis. Betachlis means if it's a larger home, <laughs> the distance between the human being and the halls of the home and the walls of the home can be quite remote, especially this home, which relative to Belarus, uh, 1807, was a large home. We see something else. Hamazen nikne Food is much cheaper than clothes. And clothes is much cheaper than home. There's a reason that people go into real estate. I don't mean to mention it so early in the morning. But, uh. So food, which becomes the person himself or herself, is relatively cheap. Clothes, which is the makif that's on the person, not in the person, but mamish on the person, is much more expensive than food. Homes that are also makif on the person, but distant, is far more expensive than food and garments put together. Ostensibly, at first glance, l'cha'ira, should have been the opposite. Food is what a person truly needs. It becomes his very life. We, we just learned in Parshish Achirimais, right? Nefesh habasar, Bidamhi. The blood is the soul. The soul is in the blood. How does the how do you have the blood? The blood is from the food. Food is converted into the bloodstream. The muzzin becomes mamashchios. It becomes your life. Your what we eat when we say we are what we eat. It's not a cliche. We are literally what we eat. Your food becomes you. That becomes me. Becomes my chios. Becomes my life force. Shenichla. What do I mean? Shenichla. Vinisbatli moi. Vayulachadem mamish. Vechayis nafshe. Sheyevshli lichis klabli mos. On the one hand, first the food is nichlol, and then becomes nichlol becomes subsumed in him. It becomes nullified. This battle. It's not like there's you and there's the food inside of you. The food is separate as long as it doesn't go into you. The moment it goes into you, what does the body do? It transforms it to become that it becomes you. No, I don't look at myself and say, there's two, there's the food in me and there's me. It becomes me, even his battle in my behind. They become completely one. In other words, the food becomes the very engine, the very gas, the fuel of your soul. And a There's no way a human can survive without mazen. So in terms of need, Food should have been much more expensive than garments, which even though they're necessary, you can't say garments constitute you, your very life. They, are, they encompass you, they protect you, they surround you. For, furthermore, and then clothes relative to homes is like the relationship between food relative to clothes. Homes is more luxurious, it's more of a, of a distant need, Levushim, 
ultimately is on the person himself or herself protecting them. So you would think food should be more expensive than garments, and garments should be far more expensive than homes. So Balatanya says, <laughs> The literal answer for this question, for this economic question, why the system of the world is that food is cheap and clothes are more expensive and homes are more expensive is (laughs) How long will your meal last? If you could buy one meal and you could live on it for 40 years, if you could buy, go into the grocery store and buy a piece of food and live with it for many years, it'd also be very expensive. It doesn't endure for long. The moment after you digest the food, and there's the shear, the shear of digestion, which is in Hilchus Brichus Amazon. What's the shear of digestion? But the general definition and halacha for equal, which is digestion, is that you feel hungry again. You feel hungry. We're talking about a body that is that is healthy, that it's in, that's in touch with itself. Sometimes a person has a food addiction. They don't eat because they're hungry. They eat because any pain that they have in their life, they jump to food. So it doesn't has nothing to do with. They don't drink when they're thirsty. They don't eat when they're hungry. So it's very hard for them to know when they digest the food because they're not in touch with the rhythm of the body. I'm just saying that in parentheses. That's called bin- the bingers among us. But uh, generally, there's something called shir ikalamaz. There's the measurement, the shir, the time, takes for food to digest. And you become hungry again. And you need new muzzle. So basically, when you're investing, when you're buying muzzle, what are you buying? You're buying something valuable, very valuable, extremely valuable. But for how long? For a few hours. Clothes endure for a year or more. So it's a whole different, uh, it's a whole different investment. Person sometimes lives in the same home his whole life or for many, many years. So the batim are more miskaim, they endure even more than lavushim. Velachain, this is the real, little reason. So when you buy a house, you're buying something for a lifetime. So it's much more expensive. When you buy a garment, you buy a suit, you buy a shirt, whatever you're buying. Again, you're buying something, not for a few hours, you're buying something for a month, you're buying something for a year, you're buying something for a few years. But mainly, you cut him in Amazon. So therefore, they're more expensive. That's the, the, the literal reason. According to that reason, the tree should be the most expensive. Because it gives you food, it gives you clothing, and if you can live on it. Right. The truth is, ear, you can't live, food, you can at least, a person could go for a few days without food. Ear... But here, this is God's uh, God's treat to humanity, no charging. <laughs> and one day when we'll get in touch with solar energy, also be free. But here we're talking about things that are ultimately processed. Whether you have to catch the animal or catch the fish or grow the harvest, it's ultimately processed through humanity and it becomes a source of the of, of revenue. Levushim have to be processed, bottom have to be built, they all need materials, they need fabrics, whatever it is, whether you're getting wool or you're, you're harvesting wheat or you're, you're catching an animal, etc. But the truth is that this is all true, of course. The, the, the literal explanation, the simple explanation is not rejecting, it's obviously true. 
But like everything in life, and one of the fundamental ideas in Pnimi Yisatayra, in Kabbalah, in Chassidus, in the world of Machshava, of Yiddishkeit, is that even the most uh, obvious physical phenomena that's just part of the system is rooted in something. It's not Stam, it exists this way. Everything ultimately has a cause and a reason, not only in terms of human psychology and the development of civilization, but ultimately in, in the ultimate spiritual source, everything is rooted in the spiritual, and therefore this difference is not just, it happens to be that way. But why is it that way? You say, well, well that's how our bodies work. <laughs> well, you, can, you can't eat for, for 20 years. It would be very nice if you can to buy one meal for 20 years and sleep one time for 20 years, and that's it. It doesn't work that way. What do you want? That's how the body, the body, the body needs to constantly be uh, planted. It has to be replenished. <laughs> well, that's how it is. Clothes, you don't need to have buy clothes every day. I mean, there's people who buy clothes every day, but uh, uh, and our house, uh, there's also people who constantly move, but you don't need it. But that itself, that system itself, is a system that was orchestrated and designed as part of the nature of creation. So that system itself needs explanation. That's why he says, even though that's the literal reason, but it has a source. And the Maimer here is going to go to the source. Ach be'emez, sh'erish p'chines gimel p'chines hanal. L'maylam, the truth is, these three components, it doesn't just begin here on earth. There's the source of everything. Just like a tree has a source, a root. It's called the shayrish. And the shayrish you don't see. Shayrish you have to go underground. And you could see. But if you don't understand the shayrish, the roots, you can't understand the tree. Everything in this world has a shayrish. The difference is the tree is shayrish, you gotta go lower. And when you look for the shayrish, for the root of everything in the world, you gotta go higher. So the shayrish of these three things, lamaila, originate above. Above mean they originate, not only doesn't mean above in physical space, but above means it originates in the world of spirituality, metaphysics. Over there, habatim sharshim lamayla yaser. In shayrish, in the source, a home is rooted in a much deeper energy. Lamayla yaser, kvoyim in halavushim, halavushim in hamazan. And the garments are rooted in a higher source than, than food. Kenoida, it's known, generally, that which comes down into a lower space is rooted always in a higher madrega. He says, this is a bit, quite a big statement. In other words, what down here actually seems the lowest in the shayrish, in the source of it, is actually in the higher, a higher place. Which is why it comes down and falls down into a lower place. And as he's going to explain, that generally, food is either from tzaymeach or from chai. A person is eating fish, or similarly is eating from a living creature, that the person then converts into their blood. Or at least it's from tzaymeach, it's, it's vegetation produce. Clothes, clothes, Ah, mainly from animal. Could be from animal, for example, like fleece. Ah, what? Or pishton, linen, like linen or similar fabrics, which are tzemeach, which are produce. Ah, or hides, leather, obviously. 
Katan is a plant, so again, Semeach. And then you have Batim, and as I told you in the headlines of one of the Maimonim, it says this was a base Chaima, <laughs> which is rocks, which is stones, right? It's made of, of bricks or stone. So that's Doimim, that comes from the inanimate. In the hierarchy of creation, we learned in Torah, Erva Yigash, a big Maimer, there's Doimim Tzemeach Chaimedaber, the human being, the animal kingdom, the vegetation, the world of botany, and the lowest level is doimim, which means inanimate, the silent, the inanimate, that which seems lifeless, like earth, like stone, like rocks, and so forth. That's a bias. So the bias is nafalamat of madreg, it's built of doimim, it's built of, so to speak, lifeless material. But because it goes much lower because it's rooted in the higher. V'ha'inyan, to explain what this is, is kehine gimel madreges halalu, yesh mebchines oilam, shana, nefesh, bebrias ha'oilam is vegan betayro mitzvahs. These three concepts, food, garments, and home, are not only existing in every person's own life, You're what you eat for breakfast or dinner, and what you wear and where you live. It exists in oilam, shana, nefesh. It says in Sefer Yitzira, Sefer Yitzira is one of the basic works of Kabbalah that's already mentioned in Gemara, that everything is comprised of three things. There's Oilam, Shana, Nefesh. Oilam means the world, Shana means the year, and Nefesh means the soul. In other words, to put it in contemporary language, there's space, and there's time, and there's energy. Oilam is space, the world, is space. Shana is a year, the time. And Nefesh is the soul that inhabits that time and that space. Yeah. In every moment of life, there's where you are. Where are you? You're right now in 24 She. In the basement. Or you're in Shklov. At a Chanukah Sabayis. I don't know where you are, but one of the two. So that's Oilam. Then there's Shana. There's when. And no two moments are the same. And then there's nefesh, there's who, the presence. Sometimes we're somewhere, sometimes we're not really there. There's no soul there. You're, you're, you're talking to somebody you're not interested, right? You're looking away. So in everything, every moment in life, every is a convergence of three things. Oilam, shana, nefesh. Convergence. Time, space, and who's present. Who's present? It's Vahar Sinai Oshan. Har Sinai was on smoke. So Tzamaqtzadik says, Ashan is Oilam Shana Nefesh. So Balatanya says, in Oilam you have these three things. In Shana you have these three things. In Nefesh you have these three things. In the creation of the worlds you have these three things. And in Torah and Mitzvahs you also have these three things. You say, what do you mean Torah and Mitzvahs has food and garments? You will see. But in this Nekuda, the, the reason why we, why life revolves around these three things, and this is what makes people Meshuggah, Either you're looking for food, or you're looking for clothes, or you're looking for a home. One of the three. <laughs> or a combination of all three. It, that's only a physical thing. It's also emotional, it's psychological, it's spiritual, and it goes all the way up. That's the shayrish of three dynamics that evolve in the whole system of the universe, and that which is beyond the universe. Terdemitzvus. Kihine noida, it's known. Now it starts the explanation. Kihine noida, it's known. These three madregas don't only exist on a physical level. The Shana, Nefesh, and Olam are going to correspond to bias. 
that what he means? No, 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 no. That you have it in the world of Oilam, you have it in the world of Shana, you have it in the world of Nefesh, you have it in the Brias Oilamus, and you have it in Torah Mitzvahs. In other words, it's three general themes that, that pervade the entire system of existence, and therefore it ultimately evolves into the basic human needs that every person needs to live. And when you understand the shirish, then you'll understand why clothes are more expensive than food, and why, why homes are far more expensive than food and clothes put together. There's something we call memalikalalman, and something we call sevukalalman. I hope by now most people can explain what this means. Huh? What's the, what does this mean? The expression comes from Zohar. The Zohar says, when you hear these terms, it's important to understand what they mean. So when you hear them again, or you read them again, you'll know what it is. The Zohar has an expression, Kuchabrichu, Ihu Memalakalalman, V'ihu Saivavkalalman. The Rebbeinu Shalaylam Hashem fills the worlds, and Saiviv, the word Saiviv, Literally means surrounds the worlds. The word soiviv, we say it in the morning, Isaiah Makaiman, right? Allah la kevesh, ufana, ufana la soiviv, right? A dreidl, you know how you call a dreidl in Hebrew? Sivivon. Because it goes saviv, you go saviv, saviv, you go around, right? Huh? In circles, yeah. So what does the Zoya mean literally? Apparently, means Hashem fills the worlds and he surrounds the worlds. So the, the worst thing is to understand this in spatial terms. He fills the cup and he goes around the cup. He's in the world and he makes a kafas around the world. So Mamali Kalalman and Saiviv Kalalman represent two concepts, two realities. What, what's the concept? Mamali Kalalman hukaya chapoyel benifl. So the Balatanya's expression. What's Mamali Kalalman? It's the koya chapoyel benifl. Koya chapoyel means the energy, the power of the activator of the poyel Poyal means the one who makes, pu'ula, the one who creates, benifal in that which is created. Every nifal, everything in the world has the kaya chapoyal benifal. Kaya chapoyal benifal means the divine energy that creates, sustains, and makes up the very design and chemistry of that particular creation. So what is mamala kalalman? Mamala kalalman in simple words, words, in simple words is, the very internal personality of every single creation. The I of every single creation. The I. What is that I? That sense of I that every creation has. Those who are conscious of it, those who are less conscious of it. But that inner sense of I, that's what you call Mamalakalam. He fills the worlds. Fills the worlds is a metaphor. When something fills up something else, you'll say, this cup is filled with coffee. So there's the cup and there's the coffee. Because in physicality, it's always two separate things. There's the cup and that which fills the cup. In spirituality, you have to get used to getting rid of the polarities. Mamalik Lama doesn't mean there is the cup and there's the coffee that fills the cup. When you speak about spiritual terms, filling it means that that's what it is. <laughs> that is the cup. It's not two separate things. Huh? Yeah. In other words, Mamala Kalalman is the divine energy that is tailor-made to every single created being. It's the fuel that creates it, designs it, and defines its very context. 
its physical chemistry, which originates in its spiritual chemistry. No two creations are similar. Every, as we say, even no two snowflakes are the same. No two droplets of rain. No two stalks of wheat. No two faces. No two brains. No two personalities. Every single creation, like every single person, has its own, its own design, its own chemistry. Physical, because spiritually it has its own chemistry. What is that all? That is Mamalakalama. Mamalakalama means the way the Hashem, the way the divine energy fills all the world. What does it mean, fills? When something is filled with something, it means it goes into me. It fills me up. That's who I am. Mamalakalalman is always the energy that you experience as the definition, as the parameter of your existence. The parameters of your existence. Form and content, yes. On every level of form and content. But it too went through Ishtalshalim. Spiritual yeah. energy is not the same as what we experience. Right. And that's in, in three words. It's koyach ha-poyel b'nifl. It's the koyach of the poyel of the creator in the nifl, in, the, in, in every single creation. Koyach ha-poyel b'nifl means seeing the substance, the muhus, the essence of that nifl. And it has its own unique koyach ha-poyel. To explain this, to explain this in the in the language that's used in the literature of Kabbalah and Chassidus, says Shabchinis Malchus Datzilus Mechaya Olam Isbri Yitzirasi. The quality, the divine energy, which is known in the writings of the Arizal, it's known as Malchus of Atzilus, because generally there are four worlds. The highest world is called Atzilus, and the last characteristic of that world is called Malchus of Atzilus, like we have now in Sphere Soimer. We're going through Chesed through Malchus. Malchus is the last quality, the lowest quality, so to speak. So the quality known as Malchus of Atzilus becomes the life force for the three lower worlds called Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. It's called Bia, the acronym of Bria, creation, formation, and action. So, when Malchus of Atzilus gives life to all these worlds, then it literally encloses itself, it manifests itself, it fills the worlds of that the divine energy known as Malchus of Atzilus becomes the pnimius, it becomes the inner core and the life force of every single world and everything that's in that world. Kemoi, an example for this is Kemoi HaNefesh HaMechayis HaGuf Bechol Prote Yefani HaGuf Just like the soul that gives life to the body it doesn't give a general life it gives, it infuses life to all of the details and nuances and aspects of the body this Koyacharii'ah there's the power of vision where is that manifested? it's manifested in the eye there's Dibur, there's Shmi'ah there's the power, the audio power to listen, to hear that's manifested in the ears. This reyach, the ability of aroma to smell, to conceive the smell of reality, that's manifested in the nose. There's dibur, there's the ability, the ability to speak, to communicate. All of this is berosh in the section of the head, because the eyes and the ears and the nose and the mouth are all in the section that we call the head. But then you have your dayim, you have the arms which have their unique capacity. And you have the lave, which is the heart, with its unique capacities. Vahakeres, you have the stomach. Keres is the, 
usually the belly, v'hakevas, the abdomen, the stomach, and then you go further, v'haraglayim, the legs, and the feet, k'fisei And essentially, this is a hishtalshalos, like a chain, shalshalshalshalshalos means like a chain. It's a devolution from a higher place to a lower place. The capacity of the limbs that exist in the head are different than the capacities of the lower parts of the body. But each one, each limb, each organ is designed, this is the magic of the body, that from one cell, right, 40 trillion cells are created, and each limb is designed in a particular way to be able to serve as a vessel, as a container for a particular capacity. If the nose would look like the ear, it would be very different. And if the eyes would look like the heart, it would be very different. So every organ has its unique design, its chemistry, which allows it to become a keli, a vessel, for a particular aspect of the soul to be able to function through it and express a certain talent, a certain skill, a certain capacity. That's a metaphor from Mamala Kalalman. Every limb has its own unique design and therefore its own unique purpose, its own unique function, and that which it could express from the power of the soul. If there's no soul, if there's no electricity, if there's no current giving vitality and infusing the body with life, then it's all a corpse, it's all lifeless. It's a lifeless corpse. When there is life, what happens? Every limb carries and and facilitates and implements and manifests a certain type of energy, a certain type of skill, a certain type of capacity. And together you have the miracle we call life, the miracle of the human organism. And the same is true with every single organism, just giving a muscle of a person. But every single organism has its, its own unique style. So the same is true in every single creation. Mamala Kalalman means the way the divine is manifested in the individual makeup of this of this reality. And again, it's not there is the reality and there is the divine that fills it, like the coffee fills the cup. No, that is, that is the design of the creation. It's not two separate things. Don't think of filling. Whenever we think of filling, we go to a drawer and you fill up the drawer. That's a mistake. You're not filling up the drawer. You're not dealing with two separate things. In Ruchnis, when you say Mamali, it means that is its thing. Not, it's not, I'm filling up the drawer. You put something into the drawer, so you filled up the drawer, you filled up the cup, you filled up your bank account, you filled up the hole. It's two separate things. Filling means, it fills, it means, that is its reality, that is its very design. The same is true, Lamaila. When you speak of Malchus of Atzilus, which is enclosed in the three worlds, Bri Yitzir to give life to the worlds, it's the inner life of every the details of the entire system of creation. And that's what we mean when we say in Ashrei, he keeps on using the word Malchus and Gvura. In Ashrei, we say every day, What does this mean? Since it's Ashrei. So we all know the words. 
they utter, they speak of the glory of your Malchus. They speak of your strength. To let be known, to notify, to make it known to people, his strength, and again, his covered, the glory of the beauty of his kingship. And you continue. So he says, what is, what is he saying here? The key that Malchus does is, it's always about Gvura. What allows humanity to know God is only his Midas HaGvura. What is Gvura? Gvura is Tzimtzumim. Restrictions, filters, what does the word Gvura mean? Gvura means strength. What does Gvura represent? Gvura represents, we explained many times, Gvura represents that you give in a way that is tailor-made to the recipient. Midas Hatsimtsum. The most important thing in education or communication. It's not about me, it's about you. If it's about you, I have to ask myself, am I giving it with the right filters? Am I communicating? Do I know what you're experiencing? Right? The key of relationships and communication is that is gvura. Gvura means that I could, we, ta- we think gvura means you become a bulldozer. No, gvura means actually the opposite. Gvura means that you, you don't give in an indiscriminate way, non-discriminating, which means everybody gets the same, it's uniform. Gvura means it's restricted, it's very focused. It's tailored, and therefore it's controlled. Huh? Laser tail. Today is Today. Gvura Shabbat Yeah. That's what Midas HaGvura is. So that's why. How do we know God? Because what does Gvura do? Gvura does that there should be separate worlds and details ad infinitum. La'ain cats means without, without limit. Every creature, every creation knows God. How? By knowing itself. Know thyself in Judaism means knowing the divine that is working through you. That's why it's so important to know yourself. Know thyself in Judaism is not just an egotistical, arrogant thing or even just a tool to have less anxiety. Because if you know yourself, right? Self-awareness is really a form of divine awareness when you understand it. Because there's, there is the idea of Adam In order for him to be known to people, it's only through Gvura. What does Gvura do? Gvura filters. It divides. It manifests the energy in a particular form, in a particular way. Through this animal, through this rodent, through this fish, through this mammal, through this bird, through this star, through this galaxy, through this black hole, through this stalk of grain or of tree, and then through this human being, through this brain, through this heart, through this soul. A person without eyes can live. A person without hearing can live. People could live without different... But there's a certain part of life they can't process. Take a blind person to an art gallery, right? It's just a part of life he or she can't process, unfortunately. 
person who can't hear, you take them to a concerto, a symphony. It's a certain part of life they can't process. You have people who don't have sense of humors, for example. <laughs> you know such people? Huh? <laughs> Very good. Everybody started to laugh. I'm glad you have a sense of humor. But these people don't have a sense of humor. Can they live? Of course. <laughs> they live. <laughs> but you, you don't call it life, right? There's a certain part of life you can't process. Can a person live without love? A person can live without love. You can live without humor, you can live without love, but there's a certain part of life, maybe a major part of life, that you don't process. But that's a, that's a sensor. Right. So, in other words, every limb and organ, it experiences life in a way that no other limb can experience it. A person, some people are very brainy. You know, they're very brainy. They don't know about emotions. Can they live? Yeah, they live. I don't know if the people around them can live, but they live. <laughs> but there's a certain aspect of life, you don't pro- you just don't process it. You know, I'm, I'm like a computer. I'm a very data oriented. Everything with data and calculations. But there's a certain, uh, uh, pulsa- the pulsating vibrancy of life. You know, Adam Hu Anefesh, the blood, a person doesn't experience. If you don't experience yourself, there's a person dimension of God that's not being experienced. Just like if I shut my eyes, I don't need my eyes anymore. There's something of life that you're not experiencing. There's something that every person manifests from God that no other person does. And that's what you know. What makes the divine known to people is Because what's Gvura? Gvura is the Tzimtzumim, the restrictions, the filter, the divine energy that is tailor-made to this unique creation that only you bring out because of your unique chemistry, which is a divine formulation, a divine manifestation. The Kaya Chapayel Benifel. You understand? You feel, you understand, you see, you hear, you smell. Every Yeah. Not just every soul. Every soul has its tahalal. That's what we mean. It has to begin with gvura. What's gvura? Gvura is, Mamala Kalaman always has to come with restrictions. Because if this cup has eight ounces, and I put it under the Niagara Falls, I'm not going to go away with any water. I have to fill it up, and I fill it up according to its capacity. If I give it too much water, it's going to be useless. You pour a huge current of a huge waterfall of water, and the cup remains with nothing, or maybe a little water that comes into it. You're, to, you're, you're talking to your spouse, you're talking to your child, but you're not talking to them, you're talking at them. You're expressing yourself rather than talking to them. What does it mean? You're lacking the understanding of who they are, of communicating to this person. Yes, the cup will probably be destroyed in the Niagara Falls. It always has to be filtered and restricted. Right. Right, right. Mamala Kalaman represents the relationship that fills the vessel. And if it fills the vessel, it has to be commensurate with the vessel. Because if not, it can't fill the vessel. It has to infuse the vessel according to its capacity. But remember that the very capacity of the vessel is also Mamala Kalaman. That's what I'm saying. It's not like God works with cups and then he says, now let me fill the cup. The very cup itself is a formulation of divine energy, right? It's not the coffee filling the cup. It's all one thing. The, the vessel itself is the divine energy. 
So that's all included in the three words, mamale kol almon, the way he fills. And that is the food, it's the nutrients of every creation. Just like food becomes archius, there's no two separate things, there's me and my food. It used to be separate. But the uniqueness of the body is that it's designed in a way which is, uh, I still get impressed by it. What should I tell you? I take a piece of food, I put it in, and I'm still trying to figure out how the body knows what to do with it. I still get impressed with it. It's unbelievable. Huh? It's much smarter than us. Yeah. It's place in the, the pouring, so to speak, is not just pouring into us, but it's pouring us as a complete object. So how does that idea that we are, that the whole object is in a sense poured in the Mali, how does that fit with the Pasuk of Aipah Ba'apah Mishmastani? Which makes it sound like we're poured into How does it fit with the Pasuk Vayipach Ba'ap of Nishmas Chaim, which means it was poured into? Because the, that's the uniqueness, actually. The body has its own energy outside of the soul. The soul infused the body with electricity, with consciousness, with awareness. But the body itself has its own Mamala Kalalman. Vayitzer Hashem Alekim, Ofer Min HaAdama, Hashem creates the body. Vayipach Ba'ap of Nishmas Chaim. Or to put it differently, the rock, the stone, also has mamalakalalman, but it's not a person, it's a rock. And today we know how much movement there is in a rock. Today we know the endless movement and motion in a drop of water or a flake of snow or any physical matter. The untold amounts of atoms that make up the molecules that ultimately make up this creation, and how these atoms interact with each other. It's its insane, the amount of life in it. So why do we call it lifeless? Yeah, Lifeless means that from our external perspective, since our eyes are not microscopic, our eyes have their own limits, the way they process creation, so we call this lifeless. That the body is filled with awareness, it's filled with consciousness, it's filled with what we call the biological current, the consciousness. So that's an aspect of it. And then there is the goof itself, which has its own shayrash. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.